This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for tuning in once again on this lovely Friday morning. I'm Lisa McDonald, your host of Carpe Diem with the Contact Talk Radio Network. I'm super excited today. I am joined by a former childhood friend, somebody who I've reconnected as a result of wanting to have on my radio show, and uh, who we've reconnected through Facebook, and I've had a chance to talk to him on the phone, and here we are going live. My guest today is Darren Inken, and so I'm just going to, as I do with every guest that I have, I'm just going to mention a few things about Darren uh, prior to turning this over to unscripted dialogue, as I always do. So Darren grew up, uh, same town that I'm in, Dundas, Ontario. We went to the same high school, Parkside High School. Went uh, to Carleton University, where he acquired his BA in sociology, anthropology. Also got my sociology degree. Wonderful. Uh, pursued an acting career. Had mild success. He says mild. He's very humble. Uh, with small film roles and TV commercials. He was accepted into the prestigious American Academy of Dramatic Arts, but never went as Darren landed the top talent agent in Canada before going. When 30 years old, Darren decided he wanted to find a wife, settle down, and have children, but the acting lifestyle wasn't conducive to family life, so Darren chose a different direction in his vocation world. Soon after meeting his wife, Darren started Bravery Hearts, had three children, and the rest, as Darren puts it, is history. Darren is very proud of Bravery Hearts and the Bravery Beats program, which helps over 10,000 sick children every year to be brave. Darren co-authored a book with his wife called Bravery Beats, which can be found on Amazon.com or BraveryHearts.com. It's uh, chicken soup for the soul for families dealing with childhood illnesses. So, Darren, I just want to welcome you to my show. So lovely to have you here. I'm very grateful to have you here. I know how busy you are. Thank you for having me. No problem. So what I'd, what I'd like to start with, because, you know, it's really interesting when you lose touch with people and then when you finally through social media generally is how you reconnect, you know, you find out where people are now living, what they're now doing. You get to see beautiful pictures of their family, their children. And uh, so, you know, absolutely lovely to see how your life has taken off. And I'd love to know, you know, when did you when did you realize that it was time to move to the States and what took you there? Well, we started Bravery Hearts in Toronto. Um, we, were, we were working with the Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Pretty soon after that, the, the program became a huge success, and other hospitals were calling us and asking us, um, you know, if they could have the program. And so the first, the, the second hospital that contacted us was actually Miami Children's Hospital. Wow. Yeah, and um, my wife is a fashion photographer also, so she was sort of living between New York and Miami. Mm-hmm. And she was in, so she was familiar with Miami, and I went down there. And um, we set up a program in, at Miami Children's Hospital. And uh, just that in a combination with me falling in love with uh, 
what what you can only describe as paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I just sort of fell in love with Miami and and um, you know we just stayed there. Beautiful. And yeah. so, how long has Miami been home for you now? Oh, it's been I've been there uh, twelve years. Twelve years, eh? Yeah. So your yeah. kids are American. My kids are actually a funny story. Um, we wanted to have Canadian kids uh-huh. <laughs> because we're very proud. We love Canada, obviously, in our roots. And, and also, um, we had a doctor here that we sort of trusted and wanted to deliver our children mm-hmm. in Toronto, uh, Dr. Elaine Hare. So we, um, we actually came back when my wife was pregnant. Every time she was pregnant, we came back to Toronto to deliver the babies and then went back to Miami. Wow. I love that. And we also stay connected to Toronto because, um, you know, obviously our family and, and childhood friends are here and everything. So we, we have come back every single year. We've been fortunate enough to, to, when the kids get out of school, we come and we spend our summers in Toronto. So I've actually had the best of both worlds. Lovely. Yeah, it's been great. And how old are your children now, Darren? They're, I have an eight-year-old girl mm-hmm. uh, and uh, boys that are 10 and 12. Wow. Can you believe that? We were just kids yesterday. I have I no know. reality on this. <laughs> I knew I knew you when we were five years old, I think. I know. I think my dad uh, coached you soccer. Is that not correct? I believe so. I, yeah. I, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is just this is a trip for me. So um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the inception of the idea? Where did the idea come up with for the beads and for the Bravery Hearts program? Where did this all derive out of? Well, um, it all derived. There's actually a nurse in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, who came up with this concept and I think she got it from actually like Boy Scouts, like a scouting program mm-hmm. where you reward you reward people for um, for things that they've done through with with different beads or badges. Mm-hmm. And then she sort of took that idea and she took it into the hospital and she started rewarding kids with, with um, for every procedure that they go through in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'd have chemotherapy or radiation or a needle or a poke or a test or a scan. Um, she would give them a bead that represented that. Wow. And so it, it all came from that. But it was never, the program was never, you know, she never did anything with it or went anywhere with it. And I actually, when I started um, our Bravery Beads program, I reached out to her to see if, if uh, you know, there was anything that I could help her with or do her. She wanted to have any part of what, you know, we were about to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she told, she didn't want anything to do with it. So she said, you know, whatever. And so, um, how it happened with us is, um, my father-in-law was on the board of directors at the hospital for sick children in Toronto. And he got us, uh, he, he was always bothering my, my wife because she's very creative and she's always doing these things with beads and making jewelry and necklaces. And she's, and, and he said to her one day, when you, when, why don't you do something with this, like something useful rather than just, you know, making jewelry for yourself? Why don't you do something with it? Mm-hmm. And we came up with this idea to, um, for my wife to make a necklace that we could sell to raise money to put a bravery beads program inside a children's hospital. Beautiful. And that's sort of how it, it, it so we met, we went down to Sick Kids Hospital and we met with the women's auxiliary there. Mm-hmm. And they loved the idea. And uh, so the Bravery Heart Necklace was then born. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I have to mention again that my wife designed this necklace, which we've now sold um, about 500,000 units of at $20 a piece. Wow. To raise money and, and to help, you know, support our Bravery Beads program. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing what's happened. And it's all by word of mouth. It's not like we went and advertised or, or, or did anything crazy. It's just um, when you see a person in line at the grocery store and they're wearing our necklace, Somebody always comments, oh, where'd you get that necklace? Oh, it supports, you know, sick kids. Um, would you like to buy one? And some, some women actually have them in their purse and they're like volunteers for us and they, <laughs> they sell them out of their purse. The woman is lined at the grocery store. So it's really actually incredible how this, um, it's sort of not guerrilla marketing, but just word of mouth marketing happened. Wow. And, you know, now we're in 50 children's hospitals all across North America. We're in, you know, Montreal and Halifax and, and Winnipeg and, and all over the States. And, uh, it's been, it's been amazing, you know, and, and just the fact that, um, you know, the most important thing and and what I would love to see happen is, is, you know, every children's hospital in the world be able to have a a bravery beads program because it, it just, you know, if you read my book or if you, if you know anything about the program, it really means a lot to the kids and a lot to the families. Absolutely. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? When was the book birthed? Um, a, a lot of people were actually asking me to, to write something, and, and it's, it, it, I don't want to even say that I wrote It's more of like an anthology. It's, it's kind of like, as you said before, a chicken soup for the soul kind of book, mm-hmm. where I asked uh, 13 families to write their story of how they, you know, how bravery deeds affected their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, through having a sick child. Mm-hmm. And so I just sort of guided it and, and, um, I put the whole thing together and wrote an introduction. And, um, uh, it's actually just amazing to see what these families go through. And, and it's really obviously therapeutic for the people who, who were in the book. And it's also, um, I believe, you know, very therapeutic for people who are going through, you know, they have a sick child. It's nice to know that Somebody else, um, you can sort of, you know, somebody else has gone through the same thing that you're going through that you can, you know, uh, gather strength from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, some really amazing stories I've seen over the years of doing this. And, um, you know, so it's nice to be able to share a few of them, you know, in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I could even tell you about one. Maybe I can even... If you, if you wouldn't mind, I could read you one page. I would love that. I was going to ask you for some testimonials anyway. Yeah, so. why don't I read you? This is, you know, it's not a testimonial, but, um, there's, there's a girl, um, named Cameron Lambert, um, who passed away from, from, she had acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, unfortunately she passed away, but her parent, the, the program meant so much to her family that, um, amazingly enough, the, the mother and father both, um, they put tattoos of a bravery heart necklace on their wrists, believe it or not. Wow. So, I mean, this is something that, you know, if, if you're going to tattoo your body, obviously it, you know, it shows how much the program meant to them. Mm-hmm. But, um, why don't I, I'm just going to read you something. Um, yeah, please do, Darren. Okay. So <clears throat> sadly on September 3rd, 2007, after three years of bravely battling her illness, Cameron passed away after a month-long fight in the ICU. When we had to go through her heart-wrenching details of her arrangements, we knew there was one thing she had to take with her. She had to take her bravery heart necklace. 
We wanted her and everyone else to see the symbol of her bravery. Her bravery heart necklace would help us all remember how brave she had been. Since then, we have bought other necklaces for our nieces. None of them are sick. None of them are disabled. But they know that this necklace is a connection to their cousin they lost. The necklace makes them feel close to Cameron, and they feel that they are now honoring her bravery as well. Since the bravery heart necklace held such deep meaning for Cameron, my husband, and me, my husband and I decided to honor our daughter by getting bravery heart necklace tattooed on our wrists as a symbol of how proud we will always be of her bravery. The pain was tremendous, but I knew that it was nothing compared to the pain that Cameron and all the kids battling illnesses feel every day. I needed to be brave just like them. In addition to being a reminder of our sweet angel, my tattoo gives me the opportunity to share my story of Cameron and the bravery hearts. So, I mean, it goes on and on, but wow. that's just sort of like a little piece that you can see um, sort of just the power that the program has and, and you know, what it means to, to kids and their families. Well, I'm deeply moved by that. So I really want to say thank you for sharing that with us, Darren. I mean, no you know, children, children are the soft spot in everyone's heart. And, uh, you know, we we sometimes take for granted, you know, children being born with good health and Mm -hmm. you know so and for somebody like myself who has worked in social services now that i'm a parent myself i would i personally would find it very difficult uh to go back Uh, a lot of the clientele that i worked with were children you know working Mm -hmm. a crisis and stuff so you know i want to i just take my hat off to you not only for everything that you've done but uh you know because unfortunately as you've just mentioned uh citing cameron's case there um you know, a lot of these children don't end up making it. And, yeah. uh, I should mention that it's not all, you know, the book's not all sad. There are, there are happy endings as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and even within, and again, I talk about this with uh, all my guests primarily is, you know, for, for whatever happens where there's a, a moment of darkness or a chapter of darkness in your life, there's always something to be learned. There's always something inspirational. And so what a lovely way for that family uh, to not only help with their own healing journey, but to honor the memory of Cameron. And uh, and I'm sure you hear that over and over again outside of the 13 people that were in the story, in the book. So um, well, that's what basically keeps us going. You know, that's why we do this is, is from the, the feedback that we get sort of, uh, you know, keeps you moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of your your goal, uh, the objective that you'd like to achieve by getting into getting the program into every single hospital, what are you doing or how are you uh, outside of the word of mouth? How are you gaining traction with that? Well, um, I joined what's called the Child Life Council, mm-hmm. and it's basically a network of child life specialists that work in all the hospital and all the children's hospitals. Mm-hmm. And I've sort of just been reaching out to them through social media and, um, you know, like Facebook and through the, the Child Life website where they have sort of a members directory. And um, I'm just, you know, sort of reaching out and trying to get the word out. And really the, the best way is through the, 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 the hospital, the children's hospitals that already have our program. Mm-hmm. They're, they are really um, the spokespeople for the program and, and other children's hospitals find out about it through their successful programs. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really, you know, how we're doing it. Wonderful. 
And does this program, uh, does it uh, also include people who choose to go the holistic alternative route? Or is it primarily people who are within the hospital setting in the medical field traditionally? Yeah, no, traditionally, um, it, it's the program is run through the hospitals. So okay. the, the patient really has to be a patient of the hospital in order to participate in the program mm-hmm. because it's the hospital that's running the program. Understood, yeah. Yeah, so if, if the patient's uh, seeking, you know, alternative treatments, then um, depending on, you know, what they're getting from, you know, a specific children's hospital, it would depend on that whether they can um, collect beads. I don't. I don't have a specific per se program for alternate treatments. Okay. And so, when you mentioned that your wife, you know, uh, it was your father-in-law who encouraged her to do this. Um, I kind of got it going that way. You know, for the the amount of units that you expressed for what's already been put out there. Um, how do you keep up with that? Do you have a staff team that helps run that? I've done everything um, just by hiring people as we go, sort of speak. Everything's, you know, I have, I have a, uh, an amazing person in Miami um, that works for us and she does all of our shipping and receiving and, and uh, you know, when the orders come in, um, she packages them and gets them out and she helps with, uh, volunteers who are making necklaces and she's doing our, our marketing for us. So I have, a, um, and she's actually, uh, her daughter's in the book as well. She's, she came from the kids cancer foundation in, in my, in Florida in Palm beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so her daughter is a cancer survivor, wow. which is incredible. So she knows the program inside out. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was, it was great for her to want to come and, and help us with the program. Absolutely. And then everything else I need, you know, in terms of help and, um, I just sort of do it as a, I don't have like a whole staff. I'm really just doing it all myself, to be honest with you. And that's still manageable at that level? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. Uh, but I do the best that I can. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Yeah. And so is this a full-time job as well for your wife? Um, you mentioned she was a fashion photographer. Was that? You no, know, she has our family and everything else, but she de- definitely uh, helps with the with um, anything to do with you know design and marketing and and um, the creative aspect of the business. Uh, she definitely have her, has her hands into. Wow! So you got beads all over your house. You got you got a room specified for this. I used to. I used to. Uh, now we have an office where we keep the beads, but. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of beads. There's millions of beads. So, um, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, but, uh, yeah, it used to be just boxes all over the place. <laughs> it was, a, it was a mess, but we organized <laughs> it over time. We, we had to organize it all. So, well, good for you. And, and uh, it was funny when we first started out, um, and you, you know, we were selling a few necklaces here and there and we were making them ourselves. And so we'd be, it, it would be literally a scene of, you know, five or six of family members sitting around the kitchen table beating uh, bravery heart necklaces so that we could keep up with the orders. And then, and then we got our first order for like five hundred, and we were like, okay, <laughs> this. "We're gonna have to find, uh, we're gonna have Some to find to make necklaces for us." Well, that's beautiful. I mean, yeah. I love everything about that story. That's absolutely beautiful. And so do you attribute perhaps some of this journey unfolding um, to some degree? Another thing that you and I share in common, Darren, is uh, both your mom and my mom had cancer. That's right. Right? Do you think there's some of that that plays out in the journey? I think so. I mean, um, 
you know, my mom's a breast cancer survivor. And actually, almost every woman in my family is a breast cancer. My mom, my aunt, my grandma, they all had breast cancer. And, and thankfully, they, all, they were all survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it's more the fact that my mom was a nurse. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, my mom, my mom was a nurse. My sister actually graduated from nursing. She doesn't work as a nurse. But, um, yeah, my mom was a nurse, and she's just a very caring person. And uh, I think, you know, hopefully I, I got some of that, you know, those caring tributes, uh, attributes from her. <laughs> well, I'd have to say so for sure. And I'm sure she's quite proud of you. I'd like to think so. Absolutely she would be. So, um and, and the thing that I like about that story, too, is uh, I'm not 100% sure what age you were, Darren. I remember your mom having cancer when we were going to Pleasant Valley, if I'm not mistaken. So that How do you I, remember that? I remember everything. <laughs> I, wow, that I, is amazing. Yeah, I have a phenomenal, <clears throat> phenomenal memory. And um, Wow, so, you really do, because we were young. Yes, and I remember that. So when I think of, you know, where you are right now in the journey of what you've done for all these families and the children and how this came together beautifully, uh, also part and parcel as a result of your father-in-law and, you know, what your wife does and how creative she is, you know, because I'm trying to imagine um, or I'm trying to guesstimate here. So Pleasant Valley went up to grade Six before Great we headed six, over yeah. to Dundana. Have so, you seen it now? The, the fact that it's gone and it's a residential. Oh, you know what? The, the Dundas on the school, the whole schooling. It's the landscapes completely changed. We can. I couldn't it. believe. I couldn't believe when I went for my. I, you know, I go to visit my parents uh, now and again, mm-hmm. and I went for a walk. <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I'm like, "Where's my school?" It was crazy. It is- I used to. I used to. Um, you know, I lived on Terrace Drive. My parents still live in the same house. Yeah. And I used to, to get to school, I used to cut through Janet Stricker's backyard <laughs> and then cut through uh, Carolyn Evenden's house. Uh-huh. And then it crossed the street and I'd be at school. Uh-huh. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I found out about Pleasant Valley ceasing to exist when I actually lived out in Alberta. And uh, it wasn't until I returned here in 2011, transplanted myself back here to, you know, raise my children, that I did the drive-by. And I don't even recognize it anymore. And, you know, the, the school that my children go to now, that was uh, built in 2008. I didn't move back oh. here, like I say, until 2011. So that was a brand-new school right by Highland. Right. And then, of course, all the controversy surrounding our uh, Parkside High School. And, um yeah. Just absolutely crazy. And, you know, Nick White's a teacher there. You remember Nick White? Do you remember I, Nick, Nicholas I, White? Uh, vaguely. I, yeah, I, he played soccer as well. I used to be oh, really? that family. I'm good friends with uh, Tracy, the sister. But okay. anyway, Nick became... Sure, if I saw a picture, I'd remember. Oh, him. absolutely. But he, he became a phys ed teacher there. And, That's great. Um, yeah, so... You know, you talk about people growing up and coming full circle. It's quite wild. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so going back to my original point, I, I remember your mom having been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and it, when we were, so we would have been what, 10? Uh, yeah, 12? 8, eight to 10. Eight yeah, to we, 10. Were, we were young. So I think when, I was around, I think I was around 10 years old. When your mom was diagnosed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember she used to walk all over the place. She used, to, I remember her. She, she used really? to wear these really nicely designed, uh, like track <laughs> outfits, fleece outfits. Oh, really? 
Do you remember that? She was just... You have a better memory than me. I don't know. <laughs> you lived with her. My father was in the fashion business, so he, he he was always he always made sure everybody looked good. Oh yeah, I mean she looked awesome all the time, and she just used to she had this stride. I remember when she used to walk, like she was yeah. very serious with the walking, and she had the hands going. She had the whole. She thing. did. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're uh, jogging my memory. That's funny. Yeah. So your mom's doing well now. Yeah, they're my both my parents are great. Thank you. They're yeah. still in the same house in Dundas. Oh, I love that. And they love it, and they uh, yeah, but they they love Dundas. So nice. I, I, I have to say, if I could choose any uh, town in the entire world to grow up in, it would be Dundas. Oh, I hear you there. I hear you there. You know, the parks and you know, I played hockey and soccer, and there's so many fields and arenas and. Yeah. And, you know, anything you wanted to do as a kid, you, you could ride your bike around. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it, it's just a great place to grow up. It's a beautiful place to grow up, and I couldn't be happier that my children are being raised here. And, in fact, when I connected with the realtor, uh, and I did so when I was coming out here to do the house hunting, and uh, mm-hmm. so she was absolutely lovely, and she told me that a lot of people, a lot of professionals, even though it was going to tack on a commute, they were coming from Toronto to live in Dundas because it wow. just really holds that appeal. And what's really nice about Dundas, as you know, it's preserved land, so you'll never see box stores here. You'll never see a Costco or a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just so family-oriented. It's very safe, and uh, it's mm-hmm. just a beautiful place, especially if you're, you know, a nature nut like me. Lots of paths and trails and parks. Yeah, I, I love that, too. Yeah. yeah. And so why don't we talk about the acting? I'm a little bit curious about this. So so how did you get into the acting? What was well, what? I, I wanted to be an actor since I was like since I can ever remember maybe I was 5 years old. Um and my uh my aunt, she's actually my dad's cousin's wife, but be, you know, you call you know how you call close relatives that are older auntie and uncle? Absolutely. So she was like my aunt Sharon mm-hmm. and uh she was the artistic director of a theater company. Mm-hmm. And so she was putting me in plays when I was when I was very young. And I'll never forget this one play she put me in. It was A Doll's House by Ibsen, mm-hmm. and um, which is like a, a well-known play. Mm-hmm. And it was at Hamilton Place. And so here I was, an eight-year-old kid, and I was about to go on stage in front of like a packed audience at Hamilton Place, which is, you know, for a small, for a kid from Dundas, it was kind of a big deal. That is a big deal. So um, I just remember the feeling that I had, you know, like backstage, it was really cool. When I was backstage, I remember when the curtain was closed and I saw autographs from the people that had been on that stage. They had autographs on the curtain. Wow. And I was standing right behind Roy Orbison's autograph. I just remember that. I don't know how, but I, wow. I remember that. And so it was just kind of a cool thing. And um, I had a lot of fun doing it. And I remember like also the, you know, the acknowledgement you get from everybody coming up to you afterward and everything. It was just, it was the, atten- I guess it was an attention seeking thing, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. I like, I guess you could say I like the attention. Uh huh. And so, um, after that, I just did some more plays and I was always in like the school plays and, and stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, I knew I had to go to university because it was just one of those things. You, you, I, I just, I didn't want to get left behind. I wanted to go to university. So I went to university. And then when I graduated from university, I decided to give acting a, a try, which meant I had to be a waiter. Okay. Right? <laughs> yeah. So so essentially, after university, I did the acting waitering thing where, you, where you'd go to auditions during the day and you'd work in restaurants at night mm-hmm. so that you could pay your bills. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, I'd get the odd, I'd get a bunch of TV commercials. I did like beer commercials and, and car commercials. And, um, I got the odd like tiny role in a, in a feature film. And then one time I got a, a role. It's a, a very small role, but it, it was with, you know, I was acting in a scene with Christopher Lambert, who was the Highlander. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, David Cronenberg was in the movie. It was like, it was, it was really cool. So I, I got a taste of like what it was like to be on set with somebody famous and, um, I don't know, it was fun, but I, I never really got that role that could, that could, where, you know, I wouldn't have to struggle anymore. So it was always a struggle. And then, um, so I kept doing it and, um, I was, I was 29, I guess. And I started thinking, you know, this, this is fun and all, but I, I'd kind of really love to, to get married one day and settle and have kids. And mm-hmm. I just had that, that itch to get married, you know, find a wife and do all that. And I knew that I was never going to do that, um, you know, with doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It's just not what, you know, you can't, how do you, how do you support a family when you don't know when your next, when your next acting gig's going to come or, you know? Right. So, um, so I decided to, you know, pack it in and I got a job as a, as a headhunter. Did you really? Yeah. I, I worked at Anderson as a, as a, a software headhunter. And, uh, from there, a guy that I was working with, um, wanted to branch out and start his own production company. And so I went with him and we started producing live events where we'd have, um, you know, famous celebrities come and speak and f- do motivational speaking days. Wow. And then that's what I was doing when I met my, uh, when I met my wife mm-hmm. and I left that job to go to Miami. Wow. That's so interesting, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there's a whole lot of stuff in between there that I'm leaving out, but oh, that's, come on. That's, that's sort of the long and short of it. Don't leave anything out. This is, this yeah. is, uh, this is your time to shine. We want to know. You want to know? <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'll tell you something cool then. So, okay. um, you know, American Idol. I do. Well, there's something similar that nobody knows about. And, uh, it's, 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 for an acting school called the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's like American, it's American Idol basically for the acting world. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a very, it's a very prestigious school that's in New York and California. Mm-hmm. And Robert De Niro and Danny DeVito and all these other famous actors went there. And what they do is they travel around the country auditioning, um, people to, to go to this school. And so they audition maybe 10, 20,000 people all around the country. And then they pick like a hundred or 50 or whatever the number is. Uh And and those people get admitted to the school. And what you have to do is you have to prepare two monologues. You have to prepare a comedic one and a dramatic piece. Mm -hmm. And um, so I heard about this and they were coming to Toronto to the convention center and I swear it was just like American Idol. You walk in and, um, there's a, a table of five people mm-hmm. and you have to perform your monologues in front of the, the people. Wow. And then they say, thank you very much. And you, and you go home mm-hmm. and, uh, and crazily enough, uh, I got a letter in the mail a, a couple of weeks later saying I was accepted into the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. It was like a an opportunity of a lifetime. And, and who, so, who is the Simon Cowell equivalent on the panel? Oh, I don't even know. I I can't, honestly can't remember. 
I can't remember. Was it kind of set up that way in terms of, you know, different demeanors, people looking for different things? And the- No, it wasn't like that. It was just, uh, I guess, you know, admissions people from the school or I, I don't even know. I, I honestly don't know anything about who was, who was oh. behind the table. Um, but, um, I can't remember where, oh, so what happened after that was, um, uh, I had a contact from, from a, somebody that lived on my parents' street actually was a cousin or something of, of the biggest talent agent in Canada. His name's Larry Gold, Goldhar. And he's the, the owner of the character's talent agency. Mm-hmm. And so I asked if I could get a favor from this person, if I could have just like five minutes of this guy's time mm-hmm. to, to ask him advice. Cause I'm going, cause at this time I was going to California. Mm-hmm. I was going to Pasadena to go to school. And so I, I asked if, if this person would give me, you know, five minutes of his time to get some advice before I went to LA. And so, uh, he agreed and I set up a meeting to go see Larry Goldhar. And, uh, he sat me down at his desk and we had this, you know, conversation and last, I don't know how long it lasted. And then he said, you know what, Darren? He said, would you mind, um, would you mind auditioning for me? Like mm-hmm. doing your monologues for me. And I said, uh, I mean, I wasn't really prepared to do that or anything, but I, I said, okay, I, I suppose, you know. And so he brought me upstairs to this room and he asked a few people from his office to, to come up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I performed my, my, uh, my monologues for him. And he said, you know what? He said, why don't you not go to California and I'll represent you? Wow. And I, I was like, well, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know. I really didn't know what to do. Um, I was really excited to go to California, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, here, you know, people go to acting school so they can land an agent, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, here I was being offered a, a chance. And so I, I took it and, um, and you know, that was that. Good for you. And so looking back on, you know, who you were as a child and the evolution of your journey, would you say, because for everything that you've described, I mean, you know, you're very, this is all characteristic of somebody who has gumption, somebody who believes in themselves, somebody who takes risks, uh, somebody who just throws themselves out there, you know, and so do you... Well, I did pack my my, my belongings one year um, throughout my my career and I put everything that I own. I had this little Isuzu iMark Turbo. So okay. It's like a tiny little car. And I put everything that I owned into it and I drove to California to try and, uh, like I, I went to, uh, uh, a little thing called the actor studio there. Mm-hmm. Take some acting class and see if I could make it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it was, it was a crazy experience, but it was one of those things where I just felt like I had to do it. It didn't work out in the end because I, you know, after I didn't have a green card was the main issue. You can't audition or do anything without a green card. Mm-hmm. So I ended up coming back, but it was, a, it was a really cool experience. Well, good for you. You know, good for you for chasing your passions and living your dream and taking those risks, you know, cause, uh, had you not made that decision, anything else that followed afterwards probably would have happened quite differently, which means you probably wouldn't have met your wife, probably wouldn't have had the beautiful children that you do, wouldn't have, you know, uh, started up this Bravery Beads, Bravery Hearts company and program and uh, co-author the book. So there, there's no coincidences and there's no mistakes. It's just it's live and learn, it's experience and 
you know, as I often say on radio, uh, my mantra and, you know, people, it's not to sound morose, but we're all going to die. You know, like it's, <laughs> you know, it's inevitable. We're all going to die. And we so are. when we, we get into a moment where there's trepidation or insecurity or you start to question yourself, I just say to myself, Lisa, you're going to die. So what is the legacy you choose to leave behind? What is it that you want to be able to say and know that you've experienced, uh, that you took a chance. You just put mm-hmm. yourself out there. And, you know, sometimes it's a win, sometimes it's a loss. But to me, it's win-win anyway because there's yeah. always something to be gained from the experience, whether it's confidence, whether it's networking, whether it's, you know, for some people who classify it as a bucket list, you know, mm-hmm. crossing something off. And I just think it really builds character and uh, it just gives you further exposure to the big global community. Right. You're not just like this little person who lives in Dundas who, you know, like you've seen the world. You've 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 met some pretty stellar people and you've accomplished some amazing things. So what a yummy life you've led. I appreciate that. You're, uh, my head's not going to fit out the door when I, when I leave today. <laughs> but, but it's true. That's I, right. Yeah. It's true, though, Darren. Like I, 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 this is what I love about my guests. You know, whether they're household names or not, for me, it's always about the journey. For me, it's about the guts, the glory, the courage. Uh, well, you're you know, talking about yourself as well. Well, no, 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 no. This isn't about me. This is about you. <laughs> this is about you. I appreciate where you're going with that, but no, this isn't about me. This is about you. And um, and so, can I tell you something else, else very funny though? Um, I was just reading that you had Deanie Petty on the show last week. I did. You know how there's six degrees of separation? Oh, okay. What's you ever, this? Have you ever heard the, the what is it, uh, who Kevin Costner or whatever, there's six degrees of separation? Uh-huh. I was actually on the Deanie Petty show. Get out. I was. And I only I had was. it last week. I know. And, and here you are this week. See, no coincidences. I'm Isn't serious. That funny? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you know, Darren, for me, and you've probably experienced this yourself, um, you know, it's not even six degrees of separation anymore. It's two degrees now. Like it's one yeah. degree. And for me, that's indicative of, you know, when you get really clear on who you are and what you want your life's journey to look like and what it is you choose to accomplish or, or just endeavoring to do what you're passionate about, the right people show up. Right. The like minded people, the people who have that fire in their belly and their spirit and chase their dreams. I mean, it's always true. I've always, you know, what you put out there, something always seems to come back. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes down to choice, too. Right. Yeah. So uh, going back to the acting, do you recall, were you in the play? Uh, I only did one little thing, but at, uh, I think it was Pleasant Valley. I don't think it was Dundana. Um, but I was Gretel and Hansel and Gretel and Rob York was, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was my neighbor. I lived, I lived, I know uh, that. I used to go to I haven't heard that name in 25 years. I know. Well, he, he and I both had the lead parts. He was Hansel and I was Gretel. That's so funny. Do you remember that play? I, you know what, I, I would be lying if I said I did. You have a much better memory than me, but I, I bet I was in it. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. I, uh, it That's was a good, funny. yeah, it was, uh, that was. I remember, I remember the, uh, the Parkside fashion shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in all the fashion shows with, uh, oh, uh, I can't even remember their name. <laughs> I'm so what, bad. Was it Laura Butterworth in them? Laura Butterworth, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Butterworth, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, Tara, uh, Tara, um, Bateson? Tara Bateson. Yeah. I was and, very good uh, friends with Tara. And Kristen. Kristen Sneed? No, not Kristen Sneed. Kristen, um, 
Krista, Krista Bainbridge. Krista Bainbridge, right. Krista Bainbridge. And uh, uh, those were fun. Yeah. And do you keep up with these people on Facebook? Because I know from Dundas. I do. I, it's, it's, that, that's actually also one of the cool things about coming from Dundas because I feel like I'm still connected to my childhood through all these uh, – all the same people, some of them that I just mentioned. I'm, I'm friends with all of them on Facebook. So it's Wonderful. kind of cool. Yeah. Me too. We share a lot of the same mutual friends, obviously. Obviously. But, um, and so when you come back to Dundas, whenever that is, um, do you have time to reconnect with some of your closest childhood friends or have they all moved on as well and everyone's kind of doing their own thing? Um, well, one of my closest friends, my closest friend, David McLean, I don't know if you remember yes. him. He still lives in Dundas. Oh, wow. And he's really my only, like, from my, from my core group mm-hmm. that still lives in, in Dundas. So I see him whenever I'm, whenever I'm back in town. Nice. And um, a lot of my friends live in Toronto mm-hmm. uh, from Dundas. And, uh, but yeah, so. Nice. Uh, what, what, you were quite close with Anthony Pakin, were you not? Yeah, I still speak to Anthony. Anthony lives a few a few uh, streets down from me here in Toronto. Get out. Yeah, my house in Toronto here. He's, he's a few houses down. Not a few houses, a few streets. Okay. So, and wow. you know, do you remember Vanessa Bassick? Of course I do. Vanessa just moved in um, right around the corner from me. Get out. Here, yeah. I'll tell you a story about Vanessa, but it's more about her brother, Eric. So oh. I, um, back in 2002, I did a family trip to Greece, Corfu. Yes. And, um, and so on either side of the trip, I, I stopped the night with my grandmother who lived in England. And so when I finished my trip in Greece and I was on the plane to go back to England, I, and I've towed it around since I went to McMaster University where I also took sociology, uh, my backpack. Um, and now I'm toting my own books in there. But so anyway, I had my backpack and it was in the overhead and I was sitting in my seat and then I see somebody who looked extremely familiar to me and he made the call. He's like, Oh, McMaster. I wonder who's on the plane that went to McMaster. I wonder if yeah. I know them. Well, does Eric Bassick not sit beside me with his girlfriend? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Yeah. And again, no coincidences, right? Yeah. That's so, great. Uh, yeah, so so what else are you endeavoring to do, Darren? I mean, you know, are you a, a, a long-term and a short-term planner? You know, are there other things that you're aspiring to do uh, that are near and dear to your heart that you're passionate about that's on the radar for you? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? I, I'm so into my kids mm-hmm. that I, I really, you know, in my spare time, that's my focus is just on, on making them happy and trying to make them the best the best people that they can be, you know, and they, they love sports and music and mm-hmm. my daughter rides horses and, Beautiful. and, uh, so it just keeps me, you know, happy and busy, um, you know, watching them grow up and trying to, um, make sure that their, their paths in life, you know, take them where they want to go, you know? Lovely. Good for so, you, Darren. That's really, what it's all about. Honestly, you know, uh, just trying to, to do that with my, with my kids. Good for you. Well, you're a great dad, I can tell. Thank you. And your mom, your your mom's a good mom. Well, she is, but I meant your wife is a good mom. She's very dedicated. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, you're a very dedicated family and uh, very compassionate people. And uh, you know, it's such an honor to reconnect with you in this way. And and who would have thought back in the day, going to Pleasant Valley School, you know, that we'd wind up here on radio having a conversation about what's taken off in our lives and and coming full circle like this. It's just been beautiful. 
Yeah, it has. Thank you very much. Yeah. Great. And I'm looking forward to, we talked uh, when we spoke on the phone about uh, coming into Toronto and, and maybe having lunch or, you know, seeing each other. That would be lovely. That would be great. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah. So um, is there any parting words that you would wish to share in terms of, um, you know, our younger generation trying to figure out perhaps going forward what it is they want to do with their lives um, you know, to anybody who is in your circle with what you've done for these children, for these families, is there anything that you wish to express about your life, your journey? Or well, I guess, I don't know about my life, but I mean, um, the most important thing is to find something that you, I mean, it's so cliche. I, I mean, I, I feel embarrassed almost saying it, but it, the most important thing in the world is to find something uh, in life, like you have to chase your dreams mm-hmm. and you have to find something that you love because if you, if you're going to spend, uh, you know, any considerable amount of time doing it, then, then it better be something that you love. So don't go into a profession. Um, don't, don't become an accountant, uh, just because it's a job, you know, like you have to really love what you're doing. Absolutely. And if, if, in, in, you know, in my case, what I love so much is that, you know, it makes a difference. So if you can, if you can do something that also makes a difference mm-hmm. uh, and you love it, then you've you've hit the jackpot. You've hit the lottery. Absolutely. And do you for do really you, the main advice that I would give anybody uh, that's younger that's listening is just make sure that you know whatever whatever direction you're heading in, make sure you're, you're going to be doing something that you love because otherwise it's going to be a torture every day. It's going to be you know going to work or. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's going to be hard to get up in the morning and mm-hmm. you just want to make sure you're doing something that you love. Well, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think it's a shame, you know, when people are counting down the days or the hours until it's Friday and they've got their weekend and then mm-hmm. come Sunday, they're miserable because they got to wake up for work. And I just, you know, I think it's unfortunate that people. Well, it makes it makes for a long life. And not a very exciting one. Very miserable yeah. existence. Yeah. And, uh. You know, I know there there's a, a vast population of people who, you know, are more fortunate than others where they can be more selective perhaps in their decision-making or their choices or they're more connected or networked or whatnot. Yeah. But, I mean, when you hear of some of these other people who have risen to success in the way that they would choose to define that for themselves, it doesn't mean that they've necessarily acquired household name status. But they love their lives because they followed their right. hearts. Right. And it's never too late to reinvent yourself. It's never too late to get very clear on what it is you want to show up in your life and how to aspire to manifest it. You're good, Lisa. That's why you have a radio show, I guess. Well, you can have one if you want, Darren. (laughs) Would that interest you, radio? Um, I don't think so. I I would definitely uh, consider going back into acting. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be something. I mean, that's it's always been a lifelong passion and dream of mine. So. Um, you know, I would love to, uh, I would always, you know, keep that open. I wouldn't close that, you know, completely, even though it's been such a long time, mm-hmm. I would love to do that again. That's for sure. And you've still maintained your contacts and your networks. I have a few. Good. I have a few. Yeah. And, uh, who is your favorite actor? Can you pin it down to just one? Oh, that's, that's, uh, um, oh, male, male uh, and female. Male and female, my favorite actors. Yeah. Uh, male, I think I'd probably have to go with, uh, I would have to go with, you know what, I'm gonna, I was gonna go old school, but I'm gonna keep it, yeah, I'm gonna say Matt Damon. 
Okay. I yeah. love Matt Damon. And, well, and, and uh, I love all those... movies. You know, I love all, everything that he's done. Yep. Uh, Good Will Hunting is one of my favorite films Mine of all time. Mine too. Mine too. Uh, so, you know, I, I would probably go with Matt Damon. And, and it's really cool because there's also six degrees of separation there. I, I um, he, you know, he lived in Miami for a long time. He lived on North Bay Road and he was right across the street from some friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now he's living in LA and his kids go to school with one of my best friend's uh, kids. So it's kind of cool. Get out. Yeah. He goes to, he goes for walks with them and stuff. And it's sort of a surreal world. Wow. Um, but yeah, I love Matt Damon. And if I'm going to pick a girl, um, or a woman, um, I don't know. I'll go with Natalie Portman. Okay. Because, she's good. Uh, yeah. She's great. And I just saw her at the film festival. So I'm going to. Oh, did you? Yeah, I went to see her. She just did a, a film about um, Israel, and and it was kind of neat, interesting, anyway. So. And what about veteran actors, male and female? Uh, I'd say you know the the Robert De Niro and and um, uh, you know I love Robert De Niro. Yeah, he's uh, mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's mine, and Meryl Streep is my favorite female. Meryl Streep's unbelievable. Glenn She's Close, so- Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yeah, they can't, you can't really, uh, it, it's, it's sort of like if they're in the movie, then you know you can't go wrong. Wow. I, sometimes I, you pick movies, like, you know, if you see it, like if I see that, you know, certain actors in a movie, then you know that, uh, you know it's gonna be good. Absolutely. I just, in the sidebar here for me on Skype, my, uh, so Cameron Steele, who's the radio network, owner and mm-hmm. producer, uh, he used to dabble in acting, and he just said he met De Niro. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Again, no coincidences. but um, That would be incredible. Yeah. And so what kind of character, like if you had your your choice of movie, uh, plot, character, what if it could all come together and be aligned for you, what would that look like for you? What would your big role be? Oh man. Uh how about uh um I would love I don't know, how about uh Top Gun Two? Really? <laughs> I don't know. Not Groundhog Day one hundred? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't I honestly um I, I don't know what that would look like to be honest. It would have to just I'd have to see it and then uh Mm-hmm. Fall in love with the script, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the scenes, we've only got five minutes, probably more for now, so I'm just going to quickly say one one movie uh, that I got goosebumps over. I mean, there's so many phenomenal movies, but the reason why I got goosebumps is because I really love Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, and so that scene where they're in heat – yeah. Do you remember that? And they're having Absolutely. That, and they're having that conversation with one another across the table. Absolutely. All I could get from that was, wow, here's two people on top of their game, best in the industry. Yeah. And they have. Well, the this, other person I was going to say is Al Pacino. Uh, yeah, he's said great. Robert De Niro. He's, you know, he's just equally as good. Yeah, that, sure. I'd have to agree with you on that one. But I loved that movie for that scene. Just seeing yeah. those two people top of their game, opposite one another, complimenting one another in terms of their style and their talent. I got goosebumps with that. That was my favorite scene in the movie just for that reason. What was the film called again, Al Pacino, where he was blind? Oh, Scent of a Woman? Scent of a Woman. Oh, my God. Classic. That, that was unbelievable. Classic. 
Yeah. And in fact, uh, talking about actors, the Robin Williams movie, what's the one where he, he was the doctor slash clown who went and made everybody happy? Adam Patch Adams. Yeah, you're my, that's who you remind me of. Oh really? Yeah. Right. How you look? All right, I'll life. show you a picture. I'll show you a picture with me and two clowns from, from one of my hospital visits. I'll, I'll email it to you. I think I've seen that. Oh, it, did you see you're it? You're dressed up with the red nose. Yes. I've seen it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was a fun day. Yeah. Well, Darren, we've got four minutes here, so if you could just maybe kindly remind people where they can find you, find the beads, find your book. That would be great. That would be great. So you can find uh, the Bravery Beads book on Amazon.com. Just type in Bravery Beads Mm -hmm. um, or Bravery Beads book. And our website is BraveryHearts.com where you can purchase um, the Bravery Heart Necklace. Mm-hmm. Um, to support uh, kids going through. And, you know, when somebody sees you wearing the Bravery Heart necklace, it's amazing how many people will come up to you and say, wow, that's a beautiful necklace. What, you know, where'd you get it? Mm-hmm. And then you can tell people that, you know, it, it, what, it, what it represents, which is kind of cool. And um, uh, I, I'd love, obviously, if I, if I get to plug, I'd love to plug my Facebook page also at facebook.com slash braveryhearts. Um, I would love to get more likes. Okay. <laughs> so if every, everybody that's listening goes and likes our page right now, that would be really cool. I'll share your page and get people to like it. Thank you so much. That would be amazing. Yeah. And um, if there's any retailers out there that want to carry our Bravery Heart necklace, you're welcome to contact us You know, through our website. Mm-hmm. And if anybody wants to sponsor a hospital for a Bravery Beads program, uh, that's an amazing opportunity as well. So Excellent. Well, I do a lot of cross-promotional advertising, so if there's anything current and upcoming uh, for you with regards to this endeavor, let me know, and I'll put it out there everywhere, Darren, gladly and willingly. Thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate it. No problem. So listen, we got to go here, but I just want to say what a treat this was to have you on radio, for you to be my guest. I really think the world of you, Darren, and I couldn't be more proud to know you based on how you've chosen to live your life and all the, the people that you're positively impacting and healing and the lives that you're enriching and just being inspirational and, and offering your hope and your journey and your message. Uh, the world needs more people like you. So I just want to say thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And so love to you and the family. We'll be in touch because I definitely want to see you soon. We will get that coffee uh, in Dundas. Yes, we will. So I just want to say to my listening audience, uh, once again, thank you very much for joining me here on my show, Carpe Diem, at the Contact Talk Radio Network. If you have any show topic ideas or would wish to appear as a guest on my show, please connect with me at either lisamcdonaldauthor.com, McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D, or lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. Love to everybody. Be safe. Look forward to talking to you next Friday. Thanks, Darren. Take care and all my best. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.